We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Woo! I am your host, Christopher Kidd. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend down there in San Fran, Mike Dugar. We are here. We are live. Mike, what's going on, man? What up? What up? What up? Been a long weekend. I watched a lot of sports live. Yes, you did. I did. I watched three games in three days in three different stadiums in three different cities. Uh, yes. Mariners on Friday. Uh, that was in Seattle. What else did I watch? Cougs beat Cal. That was up at Berkeley. And then Seahawks beat San Francisco 49ers down here in uh, Santa Clara, actually. Yeah, I'm in San Jose right now. See, I'm all over the place. All, all over, over the place. place. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Seahawks well, yes. win 28-21. Big, 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 big win. Well, yes, you guys are definitely tuned into the Seahawks man-to-man post-game show. we got a lot to talk about. Not to mention, this is all powered by The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which you're tuning in now. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Big A on Mike's chest. You can listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, The Athletic, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right? The Seahawks did get it done, 28-21. It was ugly for the first 28 minutes. For the offense, <laughs> at least. For the offensively. For the on one side of the ball, it was not – it wasn't good. Defense and special teams was they was holding it. I mean, Nick Ballore killed a guy. So yeah, knocked both his helmet came off and Brandon's helmet came off. Brandon Ayuk, that is. So yeah, he was he he was fired up, but offensively it took a while to get things going. But defensively, like you touched on, the Seahawks held their own. They gave that one touchdown to Jimmy G in that offense in the on that first drive, but then after that, nothing. And I don't uh, yeah, know. They didn't score again for a, until the blown <laughs> coverage, I think. Right? They got that right? They yeah. scored again until the blown coverage. Yep, because that made it 21 to 14. Yeah. Yep. 13. They, 13, uh, that's right, because they didn't have a kicker either. You know, the Niners were just built to lose this game. Uh, Yeah, they weren't in a good – I thought they – I actually picked the Niners, I think. You um, did. You said 28-27 or 29-28, one of the two. 27-26 is what I think I had. I yeah, something to that, yep. Yeah, um, I thought Jimmy G would finish the damn game. Jesus, he's he can't finish games against the Seahawks. Apparently, he just always 
gets hurt. Always getting hurt. Uh, but yeah, five straight three and outs to start the game. I mean, people saw they watched. It was it was it was not great. Turned it around um, in the second quarter. Figured it out, and then after that, gloves were off. And boom, boom, boom. Put up four touchdowns on the uh, on them in what thirty five minutes, uh, which is pretty pretty good work uh, for the rest of the offense. Defense. I mean, the defense was where I thought the issues were really like. I think we spent most of our time last week on the no. Defense. The whole episode was defense. <laughs> it was a whole, yeah, like defense was the the because I knew that if the defense turns it around, the offense the offense is fine. Like yes, they sucked to get out of the game. third quarter. Yeah, that was that was an issue. But I just knew that if the defense was competent, they get it done. And I mean that's like there's two when I came when I get when I got back from the to the press box after the game after talking to all the guys, I was like the one thing that stood out was it's very clear that Pete has the whole every game is a championship opportunity, go one and oh every week or whatever. Like yep. if you treat every game like a big game, then no game is a big game. Like I get it. I do. I just think that you gotta you gotta be a human being sometimes. I think that's okay. Like because if you just treat it like that, then you're, you're being robotic in that way. Russ is kind of robotic in that way. Like he doesn't he takes the emotion out of everything intentionally and it's like, I'm just focused on whatever the task is, and the task is to win. How can we win? It's like, that's fine. Um, not to say he doesn't care about the game, but you get my point. Pete kind of emphasizes that the same way. I get it. But sometimes, screw that. Sometimes you'll be like, this is a big, big, big-ass game, and we need to win this game. Like, we, we cannot lose. And we cannot lose. Dwayne Brown said it was a must-win game. Quandre Diggs was like, our backs were against the wall. Um, I asked uh, Jamal if this game had added importance, you know, thinking about what would have been if they had a loss. And he's like, damn right. Um, Jamal even went as far to say, like, we view ourselves as the defending NFC West champions and a division goes through us. Mm. The whole belt. Um, I get why he's saying that. I would push back on that a little bit. Um, not because it's in a new season, because it is. But the other part is that they their last game, they lost to someone in the division. So. That's, but the backup quarterback. Yeah, so it's like I can't necessarily like you guys hold the belt. You actually didn't even advance the furthest in your own division. So technically, I would say that like the Rams actually hold the belt. Um, even though they didn't win the division, they beat you in the playoffs, which is far more important, I think, than winning the division. So, uh, but like my point was saying, all that is this was not a normal game. This was this was legit. This was kind of like a championship opportunity more than like that Vikings game or that Titans games were. Um, and, and that's okay. And I think that's where, and Pete seemed to accept that too. And I'm glad he did. Cause that whole, ah, I say in a big game, yes, the hell it is. If you'd have lost, you'd be screwed. If you lost, they'd be like, Hey Mike, I don't know. If we should be sending you to Pittsburgh in a couple weeks. Like this team's trash. And like that's where I get that phone call from the bosses or something that they lose. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a normal game. It was a big game. Even Dwayne said it. It was like, we were, we were aware of that throughout the game that, this is a championship fight in a division that we can't afford to lose because of how good a division is. The Cardinals are what four and zero, Rams three and one. Now the Niners are in last place instead of the Seahawks being in last place. So I thought that was really important. I mean, not everyone agreed. I asked Ryan Neal if he thought their backs were against the wall, and he was like, "Not really." Um, and we didn't ask Russ about it, but I already know his answer would be no. I just, I just kind of know how Russ gets down. The Seahawks could be zero and eight, and Russ would be like, "We still have a chance, guys. Like, there's plenty, of, plenty of game left." That's how Russ is. He's built different. At least to us, I'm sure. <laughs> behind the scenes, he'd probably be furious. But yeah, <laughs> I think that, like, that was one of the things that really stood out 
the first thing, like just from an emotional standpoint, because like people always ask me how stuff feels or what, like how are the guys in the locker room feeling, even though I can't go in the locker room. And I thought that was the, the main, t- even Pete Carroll. I'm going to read this quote from Pete. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I asked him if he thought having more a more serious vibe would, like, could he tell if that made a difference? He, he thought about it for a long time before he actually gave me an answer. And he said, yeah. He said he thought it was a bit of a wake-up call. Um, and he said the expectations are so high. And he said this week they just had to dig in a little bit more. And he said do a little bit writer and make sure that we don't make errors. That's a little weird. But I knew what he meant. And that's all yeah. I meant. Um, and he was like, this was a step. And they got a ways to go. Um, they got to continue to get better. Um, he said, sometimes you just got to get in the right mentality. Everything's got to fit together. Um, what do you see? He say? He said a good some. Oh, he said, I don't know if this is the pain of the story. I wish I, I, I would wish it would be. Um, but he said it, the serious vibe made a difference. You're better off paraphrasing. I see you struggling trying to read what he said. <laughs> I am paraphrasing. I'm not reading it. Word oh, okay. Word, it, it's a really chunky quote. Um, but the, the gist of it is that he accepted that, like, now nah, we had to. T- this was we had to scratch the whole like ah oh, this is just a normal game no it's not um, and then because they I think that's important I'm leading the show with that is because I think that they need to carry that this week the Rams is not a normal game you can't afford really to really be two and three either no and then if you go three and two you go into second place because the Rams would then be three and two and you hold a tiebreaker over them and you'd be two and on the division where the Rams would be on two right like there's so much riding on these division games and I'm glad they took it like yo yo Right, we got to get this together. What did what did uh, DJ Reed say? Um, he said we got to get our shit together. Yeah, they got it together. Like and that and because they knew they had to. Like and that I, I mean it sounds so simple, but that was that was probably the main takeaway from like an emotional mentality standpoint. They needed a new mentality. They couldn't just treat if they treated this game like they treated the Vikings and Titans, they would have lost. <laughs> One yeah, three. You had to treat like podcast. it was a little different. Yeah. It, oh, this podcast would be so different. Like if if they'd have done that. The other thing, and there's always gonna be I don't want to put this. I tweeted someone who's like a Niners fan. I don't know who what the account is. I said, um, because I, I I put out there that Russ uh he was asked, How do you avoid going three and oh or losing three games in a row in your career? This was on like Thursday. He said don't think about going three, uh, losing three in a row. And then the Jimmy G, someone responded and was something about Jimmy G. And I was like, you know, it'd be a fun exercise. Go back and find all the Niners games that the Niners won because they had Jimmy G, which is a very subjective exercise. But I bring that up to say, this is one of those games where it's like the Seahawks won because they have Russell Wilson. Like that's, that's point blank. Like for a couple reasons. Reason one, when stuff is going bad, Russ doesn't flinch. And he even said it today. He was like, I don't blink. Things go wrong. Look at the NFC title game against the Packers. They're down. It's going bad. Russ is throwing the ball to the team like he's got money on Green Bay. Like, it's very, very, very bad. Every time he throws a Jermaine Curse, it's a pick. Like, and on the sidelines, he's like, you know what? We got this. We're only down 16. That's two scores. Like, he's just doing the basics. And when you when you are like that, and you're a good player as well, no one cares if you think like that and you suck. So when you when you are like that and you're a good player, it rubs off on the other guys. Like even Dwayne Brown, I asked him, I was like, does him being that way help you out? He's like, yeah. 
He's like, because I'm emotional on the sidelines. Dwayne's out here cussing at people. <laughs> Let it fly. Like, yo, what are we doing? We got to get together. Me and my Russ is like, no, nah, we're good. We'll stay the course. 7 0, guys. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's 17 0, it's like, all right, focus on what we can control. We get the ball the next time, we should score. We get it again, we should score again. You know, like that rubs off the other guys. I think it does. I think it definitely helps in game winning situations because Russ is so cool and never phased by the pressure. But also, it's like when things are going bad. So what? Five, three outs and three and outs in a row. It won't be six because we're going to go out here and execute. It reminds me of that famous YouTube clip of I put the team on my back, though. Dan Shopper, the okay, hardest hit. Sa- you have. He's talking the hardest hitting safety in the league. It don't matter, though. I got Dan Shopper on his on a broken leg, though. And Darren Sharper. No, who was it? No, excuse me. You have. It's an old, it's an old YouTube video. If you just type in Dan Sharper, if you're the receiver, oh, he was not going to watch it right, right not right now, but yeah. basically put the team on his back and he won, he wins the game. And that was just the, the point that he was making is I have this guy, I'm going to throw him the ball and he's going to score. Even with his leg broke, that that's the same thing mm-hmm. Russ does. Russ throws the DK, incomplete pass, throws the DK, another drop, screw it, I'm going to go run it in the end zone and do it my damn self. It's all good. Pass the protection breaks down. I'm gonna find a way to score. We get it done. That just speaks to Russ's ability to create things. And like you said, having Russ just makes that big a difference. If we had any other quarterback, the game might have been over. Hell, if the Seahawks were going against any other quarterback other than Jimmy G, the game might have been over. There's two sides of this coin, but more to your point of Russell Wilson just being the great leader he is, the great player he is. He's always even killed. He's not worried about what the score may be because it's only 7-0, guys. Like like you said, let's go down and score. We're back in the game. What do they do? They go and score. Halftime, come out. Niners get the ball. They don't do anything with it. Seahawks get the ball. They start making some momentum plays. Next thing you know, the lead's blown open, 21-7. Okay, things are looking good. That's just what Russ brings, and they needed that. I can only imagine if there's any other quarterback on this team how things would be going, but because Russ has for the last 10 years has been this guy that's just like, I believe we can win every game no matter what that rubs off to Dwayne Brown's point where he's like, yeah, I'm emotional and I'm, I'm fired up and I want to do these things, but things aren't clicking. When you have someone in your corner that's calm and collective and is able to bring the team and rally them back together to go out and get the job done, that makes it easier for everyone else to be like, you know what? Damn, this guy is great. If we just trust the process, Probably shouldn't be using that, but if we just believe and do what we're supposed to do, we can definitely come out of this victorious, and that's what the Seahawks did. And I think they will be challenged again on Thursday night. They have another opportunity where they're going up against a good defense, a good offense, and they have to collectively as a unit, no matter what the score may be, if they're ahead or losing, they have to remind themselves that we got number three. And when we got number three, there's always an opportunity, and that's what separates us from a lot of teams in the league because the Seahawks are a contender. And when you get number three, the Seahawks are automatically thrown in the bid of Super Bowl contenders. It'd be nice to have an elite defense. It'd be nice to have an elite offense, but just having him on your roster puts you ahead of a lot of other teams. Uh, yeah, most teams, uh, I would say. Seahawks are probably, I don't know. I don't know where they are among the teams. I have to see how the Raiders and Chargers knock this out on Monday because I think those teams are both playing playing pretty well. Their quarterbacks are playing really well. Justin Herbert's a freak. But yeah, no, that was the other thing. I was like, man, they really 
some some classic Russ stuff got them out of that hole on offense. <laughs> Hell, his little three sixty spin and finding Freddie swing, which should have been a sack touchdown. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That was a really good example of why like, sacks are a QB stat, right? Because the defense <laughs> did everything they would do. Russ just is Russ. Whereas yeah. if that was Big Ben, he'd you know he'd be on the ground, right, or something like that. So yeah, the, having Russ having Russ mentally, I think, uh, was very very huge. Um, and then yeah, the throws and stuff too. That was fine. I mean, you look at one team had like ten passes defense, and the other had two, right? Like the Niners just yeah, quarterback play definitely like. It, it made it made a difference, but I think it's a it's a mentality too. Like when they yep. were down, when they got down in that game, the Niners, and they were looking at Trey Lance in the face, it's not the same. You know, it's just it's just not. He, he had played seven snaps before that yeah. all year. He didn't even play any in week two. So that's seven snaps across three games. With all of them, like they're played, all of them came in two games. That's not the same as looking Russ in the eyes when you're down, or you know when when your back's against the wall. So that was the other part, like. Like you said, the scramble touchdown, um, how Russ kind of got him in like up tempo um, in the first half, or yeah, in the first half and in the second half, he even told us he was like, I, he's like, I told Shane, like let's let's kick this up, you know, because like I've been saying this show for a while now, the OC really doesn't matter that much. You have Russ. <laughs> if you give Russ a football and ten teammates, he will go score points. He'll It'll figure it out. Yeah, it really doesn't matter whether it's Daryl Bevel calling the plays, whether it's my 77-year-old grandmother calling the plays. You give Russ a ball, 10 teammates, he will figure it out. He'll find a way to score. He might just start calling the plays himself, which it feels like he'd be doing out there um, sometimes. Uh, yeah, he just takes it upon himself. So there is that. But back to the defense. This is – so this game in particular and how it played out, is why I was kind of high on the Seahawks potentially making a, a run. And obviously, like, Jimmy G stinks. So, yeah, I take this one. Clearly. And then Trey Lance just looked like he wasn't ready for the moment when he came in. He's throwing high. He's throwing behind guys. throwing low. Dude, what are you doing? Um, he was – he looked a little bit – like, with his legs, he looked kind of rust-like, a young rust. But, anyway, this game – I figured that Russ is going to be so good. The offense will be so good, and it, and it was in the second half. I thought they'd be so good that if the defense is just competent, <laughs> they got a shot. Everyone Google the word competent. Just just out of curiosity, just Google it, just so you can see what Mike's talking about. Be competent. <laughs> Let me see what the, uh, the definition of competent is. Let me see. Competent. Well, no, I can't spell it. I'm going to look stupid. All right, competent. Having the necessary ability, knowledge, or skill to do something successfully. <laughs> do your job. <laughs> Efficient and capable. Yes. And even like, yeah, I mentioned do your job. We asked Ryan Neal, hey, what was the message this week? Do your job. Do your job. Yeah. Bobby was telling guys, do your 111th, essentially, which has mm. no ring to it. Bobby needs a new slogan because that <laughs> do your 111th does no. not roll off the tongue. You might want to talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah, do your job makes sense, but I get what he's saying. I, I mean, when I'm playing basketball sometimes, or even when I'm playing football and I'm yelling at my teammates, I just say, don't let it be you, right, that gives up the bucket or gives up the pass that costs us the game. It's the same principle. But, yeah, it was really simple. Do what your job is. It not matter how well you do it. Just do what your job is because we see what happens when guys don't do their job. We had, like, the Sidney Jones play where he busts the coverage and it's a 76-yard touchdown, right, or – 
Um, the ball's in the air. Sidney Jones doesn't make a play on it. Touchdown for the 49ers. Like, do your job. Your job is to cover, and the ball's in the air, knock it down. Right? Guys were doing that today. Like I said, they had 10 passes defense. I think that's like more than they've – that might be more than they've had in their first three games all year. I would uh, guarantee that's a fact. I don't I don't know for sure, but – I am yeah, willing to put $100 on that. I don't feel like checking it right this second, but – No, you're good. Perhaps. Based on the film that I'm running in my head, <laughs> there weren't too many games. I was like, oh, that was a great pass breakup. Oh, that was nice. It was underneath stuff, first down, first down. Oh, touchdown. Well, definitely against the Vikings, yes, for sure. No, the the, the defense being competent today, because that's pretty much they were they were dominant in the first half. Um, I think so, and then just like really solid the rest of the way because I mean they did give up two more touchdowns. Yeah, uh, two bad that. ones to be honest. I mean, for the game they gave up like four hundred and fifty yards <laughs> of offense, something like that. That's a lot of offense that they were giving up. It's not like they were the, the Niners couldn't. The Niners are moving the ball up and down the damn field, but they were good at, they were, they like locked up enough. They had the third down stops to be honest. Yeah. Honestly, they were, they caught the really good end of like third down variants, um, which I think last week they were nine of the Vikings were nine of 14. And this week, this week, the Niners were what? Two of 14. Yeah. There's your ball game right there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the difference. Um, but I, I just knew if they do that, the offense is going to like, be solid they're gonna score a lot of points damn near every week i don't know how many they'll score next week against the rams <laughs> who knows and the cardinals put up 40 so yeah, they put up maybe. 37 so it's a possibility they can do that yeah so maybe, maybe the seahawks do something similar but well maybe not similar a point is that when you give the seahawks as a team the benefit of the doubt this is kind of what you're banking on one team has russ and a defense that's like good enough that's it that's the recipe now we'll get into some those nah. we will get into the specifics <laughs> of what was they were good enough at and things like that and why the offense turned around in the second half. Uh quick disclaimer, I haven't rewatched the game uh yet. So this is all off first watch, but I have I, I was paying enough attention early on to go into a decent amount of specifics. But I do think that's like the main thing that stands out. If if Russ just be Russ. And this was like a ho-hum Russ game, statistically. Yeah, he only threw for 150, 49 yards, 150, so. Uh. Yeah, he accounted for f- three touchdowns, so he didn't even account for all of them. Um, got a little help from his run game with Alex Collins, but, like, statistically, it wasn't even that great. But if he just is Russ, like he was today, defense don't got to be a legion of boom around here. Maybe force a turnover or two. Quandre, you know, what's up? Passes. Yeah, no, great play by Quandre on interception. Like the, the the team does the. I think I was on Robert Mays on the athletic football show, and just like, just be top sixteen, be in the top half of the league on defense. The offense will probably the offense right now is probably like a top seven offense in the league, and that's with not having scored any points in the third quarter until today. Yeah. That is ridiculous. So I think as long as the defense just is like, hey, man, just don't blow a bunch of coverages and make sure everybody knows the coverage every play, we'll probably be all right. We'll probably Not be all right. They're, they're getting some decent pass rush. Um, I think Daryl Taylor is playing really well. He's got three sacks in four games. Yeah, he had a sack on Sunday against the Niners. Yeah, no, he's 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 doing well. So, I mean, I think the competence, that's it. I didn't even need them to be like world beaters. Like Jamal said, Starting this week, 
Make some changes. Things will change. <laughs> Jamal was right. Things changed. And I used that in my story. I said they looked competent, something you just could not say before. And when they look competent, Russell do the rest. Yeah. He, he will do even with banged up receivers and old linemen getting beat. Uh he'll still get it done. Like that's that is what that is the step in the direction, in the right direction that they needed today. They needed to win, obviously. The defense needed to look competent, and the rest would take care of itself. I thought you said the refs yeah. at first. <laughs> no, 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 no. The refs, was, the refs was not being competent. I don't know how that ref missed a hold right in front of his damn face, and Carlos <laughs> Dunlap be getting dragged to the ground in front of him. That was that was bad. Yeah, no. So the rest will take care of itself, and it did. Yep, it did. Yeah, good win. You don't want to uh, go down one. Necessary win for sure. You didn't want to go down one three. We talked about that earlier before to start the show. And they luckily just being down seven zero. That's you, you, like you, you set off wax with me. They don't play good quarterbacks every week. So this week they played a not good quarterback. They found a way to get it done. Russ was like, we're down seven zero to Jimmy G. I do. Think they, they were playing a good offense though. Like independent of Jimmy G's like Jimmy Absolutely. G's, his average depth of target today was like 10.4 yards or something like that. Like he was pushing the ball downfield more than just wasn't completing it (laughs) yeah um and then like the the niners offense was like a top 10 offense coming in i believe yeah i want to say just imagine if they had matthew stafford oh we don't have to imagine we're going to see that (laughs) thursday but like my point is that like they weren't playing a good quarterback but they were playing a good offense yep it's not always like yeah niners right now are fifth in epa per play um every team in the division is in the top 10 good lord um, this is according to the homie Ben Baldwin site. So they were definitely playing a good offense. Like, I don't want to totally dismiss um, and say, like, oh, they did this because they were, pl- were playing a bad QB. They're playing a good offense and a good head coach who can scheme stuff up and has weapons. They actually executed today. People did their jobs. They did their 111th. We got <laughs> to find a new way to say that. <laughs> we'll fit. Let's get to the questions, and I'll brainstorm a new way to say do your 111th. That's Let's that. get to them because, boy, do we have a lot. Per usual. Imagine if they lost. We probably have a thousand. Honestly, if they lost, I don't even think we could ask for questions because they would just it would be too many. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like that scene in Bruce Almighty when he's um he's uh, checks the emails because he's God, right? So he's like answering prayers and he logs in. There's like a bazillion uh, prayers that he's got to answer. That, that would have been us. Just like we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
going typing away trying to answer all those questions because of the loss tonight we are not able to answer any of your twitter questions we will just do our best to talk about the game thank you thank you in advance but let's get to it we do have quite a quite a bit tonight we'll start with ed milson he is out of portugal he wants to know would you rather have peak russell wilson or peak pete carroll who has a tongue twister but i did get it through get through it you can only have one of them you got fans in Portugal. That's what's Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Um, I was going to try to say that in another language, but no, that was going to sound bad. Peak <laughs> Russ or Peak Pete? That's a tricky one. I think I want to lean towards Peak Russ, but that is very tough. Just because I know quarterback play matters a ton, um, and it really influences winning, as we just talked about. You have, <laughs> you, have, you, have a, you have a great quarterback, and Peak Russell Wilson is nasty. So could, he can mask so many other deficiencies on your team some of them created by Pete Carroll uh I will say oh actually this gives me a chance to talk about the 100 wins thing Russ got the 100 wins I hate QB wins as a stat is that a hot take because I just I just don't I don't like it as a stat the QB alone did not win the game you know what I mean like how come Bobby Wagner does not have 100 wins right you know what I mean like yeah He's on the team too. He's all pro. You know, I know a, a middle linebacker doesn't affect the game in the same way as a quarterback does. I just don't like QB wins as a stat. That's why, if you noticed, A, I didn't write about it much. I don't plan on it. Uh, B, and even in my tweet about it, I said the Seahawks have won 100 regular season games with Russell Wilson as the quarterback, not just Russell Wilson. Because some of those games, Russ didn't play well. Some of them games, Russ played well and they lost. Some games, Russ played like crap and they won. You know, like, obviously it balances out, but I'm not a big fan of QB wins, quote unquote. I just think we have other metrics to measure quarterback play and extrapolate that from what's going on with the rest of the game. You know, I'm not really a big fan of, oh, Russ was the first quarterback to do this thing. Like, it is good that he, you know, he quarterbacks a team that wins a lot of games. That's probably the way I would want to put it. Not just wins necessarily, because it's defense, it's special teams, it's coaching. There's a lot that goes into winning a game. Anyway, that's my rant about QB. I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know how other people feel about QB wins as a stat. I hate it. I just, I just do. It's not just the QB out there. That's like when we say one QB is facing another QB. Like when we advertise a game, like, oh, it's this guy versus it's Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. Them fools don't even play each other. <laughs> they don't play one snap against each other. That's not how it is. It's not just quarterbacks. Um, a lot, of, a lot goes into that. Um, coaching. I would say that you can count wins for them because they oversee everything. Head coach, that is. Because didn't didn't Andy Reid today get his hundredth win with his second team, or something like that? Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. he he reached some milestone in wins, but yeah. A coach, yes. Quarterback, no, I'm not I'm not here for that. So you're no, taking well, you're taking to hundred is still good though. You're taking Pete Russ. Yes, I'll take Pete Russ. So from the homie Ryan, what's up, Ryan? He was at the Mariners game today, watching the Hawks on the phone. First half, oh, pretty. Man, that's brutal. Hey, gotta support the M's though. Yeah, yeah. After four weeks, what can this offense be, and what improvements have been made from a year ago? Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. I don't know how many things they've improved upon quite yet. We'll see when they play the Rams. Remember, the Rams are who broke these guys. Honestly, the playing the Rams three times in three weeks got. I some break your body. spirit and then your body. Yeah, is that is that Bane? Come on, man. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Okay. Movie reference. I got Here it. Here we go. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that the, the, we'll see when they play the Rams. I do. So Ryan's first question though, um, to what this offense could, I think this could be like a top five offense for real. I really think the offense is going to be really explosive and score a lot of points more often than not. I think we're going to find that like the third quarters that they weren't scoring in is like kind of random and probably not going to hold up. Like today they exploded in the third quarter, right? Is that going to be the case every week? No. But I do think that the first three weeks was just like a weird, funky quirk how they just didn't score in any third quarters in, in particular. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really good offense. And this was today without Gerald Everett, who I think is, is I hope, hopefully he plays against the Rams. I think they're going to need him. Um, but yeah, this is, I, I don't see many offenses when it's all said and done, as long as like the offensive line doesn't get decimated by injuries. Uh, they're, they're doing okay in that department right now. Just got one starter down, which isn't too bad. As long as they're not decimated. Yeah. This is top five offense. This one's. Sure. This one's from Jimmy. He shouts out the YouTube channel. Appreciate the love there. His question is, do the Seahawks need to have Ryan Neal on the field more, especially going up against the Rams? Yeah, shout out to Ryan Neal, man. He, I wrote about him a lot today, too. Um, that was the first thing I noticed because he was in on uh, – I saw him come in, and then Diggs got the interception. I was like, wait, that was, the, that was the dime package? And they kept running it again and again and again, and it reminded me of week – I think 15 or 16 in 2018 and they used like Akeem King in a lot of their dime packages to cover like Travis Kelsey ended up winning that game scoring 38 on the Chiefs and winning 38-31 clinching a playoff berth that year and this was the similar I, I thought that and then when Pete said after the game basically it was like we thought Ryan Hill could cover Kittle pretty much and he did a really good job on Kittle uh, Ryan played 24 snaps I think Half of them were third downs, and they were getting off the field on a lot of those third downs. Like, Ryan played really well. So I think he should play a little bit more. Um, the problem is to put Ryan on the field, you got to take someone off. Today, that yeah. was Brooks. And, I mean, if you consistently do that, look, we already know how their first-round pick thing goes. If Look at the inactive list and the injuries so far. Mm. You've got LJ Collier basically just benched. Uh, Rashad Penny, that that that's that's over with. Feel bad for Rashad, but that's over. And then um, even their top pick now, G. Eskridge is concussed. Uh, if you got to get to the point where Jordan Brooks can't play on third down because you got to put an undrafted DB on the field, I don't think that's a super great look, even if that's the best thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think Ryan should play a little more. I think it, it, it what you can do with your scheme is a little bit more diverse. Two, when you bring in a sixth defensive back, that's why Quandre was like, I love six DBs on the field. Because um, it's not like Ryan can hit. So you know Ryan can hit. He can fit a run. He can chase a mobile quarterback on third down for sure. Uh, if you need to like drop him back to play like a deep half or quarter, whatever, deep quarter, um, he can do that while Quandre and Jamal roam around or play close to the line of scrimmage. You just can get um, kind of creative in that way. He is really good on tight ends. I think last year he had a he had a PBU against like Evan Ingram that led to a Quandre interception. I want to say last year and again in the Giants game. So I I do think that Ryan should play some more. That was one of the adjustments that I thought was really was really smart. And I, I don't I think it was like Kittle and matchup dependent. But um, whoever asked this question, I'm with you after this. I'm cool with seeing Ryan. A little bit more because he, he just knows how to be around the ball 
at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. It's all about the ball. See, I'm this is not like a Ryan Neal uh Seahawks podcast necessarily. But yeah, nah, he's like he's he told us after the game. He was like, When my number is called, you know what you're gonna get? I'm gonna fly around, I'm gonna make my plays. He's right. Anybody on this defense who's flying around and making plays should play. <laughs> Cause they need playmakers right now. And right now, Ryan, I think Ryan can be one of them. He played fine when he was filling in for Jamal last week. No reason to just stash him on the bench when he can make plays, especially in the passing game. This one's from Sam, the homie Sam that he played flag football with not too long ago. What was it? Two years ago last year? Whatever the case may be. You remember Sam though, right? I can't. I don't, I'm drawing a blank. Long story short. He did a video of us on oh, YouTube. Oh, yes, 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 I do. Yep. What up, what up, Sam? Gotcha. My so he says, please tell me the fix for the defense wasn't just a switch to be more aggressive, right? Also, how you start the game with five three and outs. Okay, the five three and outs thing. Because, I, again, I haven't rewatched yet, but, I mean, it was very obvious in real time when I was watching. A, DK and Tyler was definitely banged up and just kind of thugging it out. Kudos to them for making it happen. B, did I say A or did I say one? You said A. Okay, so B, the pass protection was not good. I mean, a couple of them sacks. Them first two, it was like, well, first Cedric Abouye gets beat. Then Dwayne Brown gets beat. It's like, look, I know Russ is a magic man. We just sang his praises. If his tackles are getting whooped, it ain't but so much he can do. I mean, there is. He's used to playing with poor tackles. But, yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is real he is that dude like he's good um and d forward i don't even know if he's that good but he definitely beat cedric Bowie. so i do think once the, they were running a lot of the same plays in the second half of the round of the first you could see it like oh, it's the same play they ran earlier the difference is russ had time uh, i think when russ has time and they moved the pocket a little bit too um you could tell like a sprint outs or some deep play action stuff stuff that they always do but you could tell shane was like let me get these guys a little bit more comfortable and let me run some of that. So that was part of it. Um, why they were so bad with those five three and outs. If they fixed the pass protection, the guys just pass protected a little better. And if you give Russ time, like when I said earlier, you give Russ a football and ten teammates, you give Russ a football, ten teammates, and time in the pocket, curtains. Curtains. Um, and the first part of that was what? How they fixed the defense? Oh, was it Yep, was it just more aggressive? Please tell me the fix for the defense wasn't just a switch to be more aggressive today or on Sunday, excuse me. No, I think that the, the big adjustment was the third down defense. I mean, they, they probably did some other little tweaks too. I mean, obviously starting Sidney Jones over Trey, duh. But I think that their third down stuff was just much cleaner. They were ready for what the Niners were coming with. The Niners were like a little predictable in that like, I applauded the Niners last week against the Packers when I was like, their game plan was clearly get their best players the ball. But the Seahawks saw that too. And we're like, we're going to make sure we stop Kittle and Debo. And then by the time we do that, we'll get a sack. Um, And I thought they did a really good job executing that with the 6DB package. 6DB saved the day, man. Ryan Nill should get a game ball today because he definitely helped get them a win. This is from our homegirl, Holly. Which player or players do you think really stepped up this week? Keep killing it. Y'all are the best. Appreciate the love, Holly. Uh, I, I think this is the time to shout out Alex Collins. Um, I think that 
I mean, I, I almost want to shout out like Seahawks Twitter too. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, damn, sometimes people on Twitter aren't just people on Twitter. They actually know what they're talking about. People want Alex Collins to just like unseat Rashad Penny as the number two to Chris Carson. We're not just like blowing smoke. Alex is playing really well. He played really well in camp. He was their best running back in the preseason, I believe. Um, he just makes plays when you put the ball in his hands. Simple. Play him. Played today. He was he ran better than Chris today. I mean, look at his touchdown, man. That was sweet feet on that. Like he makes one dude, uh, and then uh, and then uh, he's dancing in the pocket. Uh, he's re- uh, he reads his blocks pretty well. Like I think that's obviously really important having having vision. He's the guy that stands out. Like just when I when I again when I got back to my seat, I usually just sit and think before I really get to writing. Today I did that with the Corona because they had beer in the press box today. <laughs> Shout out to Levi Stadium. I was like, man, Alex Collins really gave them a boost today. They couldn't even get into their tempo. They couldn't get anything going until Alex Collins caught that little dump off check down and took it 28 yards. So if anyone stepped up, it's definitely Alex. Alex made it happen. He was their, he was their best runner today. Um, he got the offense going. And yeah, he's, he's probably another guy who should probably play a little bit more than he already is and be used more in the passing game because if you give him the ball in space he's gonna make somebody miss that first guy probably don't got a shot like he's 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 playing that well right now as a cornerback guru how was Sidney Jones first start aside from the blown coverage and this one's from Taylor Fowers yeah I don't are we the oh are we the cornerback gurus in that question is that is that I don't know yeah I don't know if we're gurus we're we're definitely cornerback enthusiasts for sure that's definitely my favorite position to watch and play uh i gotta go back and watch Sidney jones though off the top of my head i would say like he was fine that's without like super studying it hard the reason i just say fine is because a he gave up a touchdown which you never want to do and it's one thing for dj reed and trey flowers to be giving up touchdowns to you know Pascal or whatever dude's name is in Indy, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Okay. These guys, they get it done. Who the hell is Ross Dwelly or whatever? Like, you, I don't want you to give another touchdown. Not, 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 if you're on my team and you're my starting left cornerback, I don't want no Ross Dwelly. Am I saying his name right? Is it Dwelly? I believe so. Just Either say, yeah, yeah. I don't want him scoring on any of my cornerbacks if I'm trying to build a championship defense. Like, Sydney was in position, but that's just a play I want you to make. And then he blew the coverage. I think he straight up said he did, too. I missed his press conference, but he blew that coverage that led to another touchdown. So that's two touchdowns that's on you. I don't want to see that in your first start. I don't want to see that ever. First start, last start, 17th start, 13th start. If you're on the field, (laughs) I don't want to see it. (laughs) You can't be responsible for touchdowns. That's just kind of my, my thought on that. So... On first glance, like, oh, it was fine. It was definitely worth trying. Like Pete Carroll said, it was just time to try something. Yes, the hell it was. You had to do it. You had to do it. I have to go back and look to be really sure. But, yeah, that's my first, like, early assessment. I was like, oh, he played fine. Gave up a couple touchdowns, but was pretty solid most of the day. This one's from Giltzer or Giltz. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say Dennis. That's his first name, Dennis. Why can't we dink and dunk effectively as other teams do against our defense? It would be nice to give other teams' defense a piece of their own medicine. 
I do think the Seahawks think and dunk a lot in their two minute. Um, but I, I think that's just not really who Russ is. That's I mean, if you have to ask, ten years in, it's it's a Russ thing. He said the OCs only matter so much. The quick game, dink and dunk, is not really Russ's move. He likes to take those deep shots. He likes to throw it deep. That's his thing. That's why every coordinator dials up those action deep shots because they know that's what Russ likes. And then he gets in a two-minute, then he'll take the check downs and stuff like that. So I think that's part of it. That's just kind of never been his – not part of it. That is it. That's just not been Russ's game to run the quick game. I think see, also, like right now, I don't really see a bunch of easy ways for Shane Waldron – to be scheming up quick stuff. I feel like their only their only quick game stuff right now is they go empty and then empty like empty backfield. And they run a bunch of like stick routes, which you know, go to the sticks and turn. Or they run like quick screens that don't ever work to their receivers. I saw a stat out there, I forget who had it. It was like which teams are wasting the most possessions using wide receiver screens. Basically, the argument was like wide receiver screens don't really yield a, a ton of like positive game-changing plays and i think it was like dallas was number one because they ran like five on opening night and seattle was like up there in the top 10 or something like that pretty much their receiver screens don't go anywhere you need people who get her like shifty to make those work they don't really have anybody shifty you know what i mean like dk is not super shifty tyler's not super shifty the only guy who i think is a little bit like that is d and he's, he's out. out yeah and he is out yeah. for the third straight game unfortunate but yeah that's that's kind of why they don't our next question is from katie you talked a little bit about alex collins and ryan neal do you think they should have bigger roles uh yeah that's the, the thing is though you're taking somebody else off the field so it's like you put more of ryan that means less jordan brooks you put more alex collins that means less chris carson i think more chris carson the better I mean, personally i think chris is nasty like that so I, I think Alex should definitely be the number two, even when Rashad comes back, whenever that is. So to that, yes, Colin should be more involved. Ryan definitely should too. I just do think it's going to be tricky because you don't want to just keep pulling off your first round pick off the field. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad look. Very bad look. Our next one's from Mira. Huge listener and family. Appreciate the love, Mira. Hi, Mike and Chris. Thanks for everything you do. When the offense was in trouble in the first half, where was the creativity in getting them going? Second half was great and glad the Seahawks got the win. How should we also plan for the Rams? Love the pod and keep it up. Thank you, Mira. Um, okay. That was a lot. Where was the creativity? I really don't think they need to get more creative. They really just needed to freaking block. I mean, it, look at the first third down. DK, it, it, Russ is getting pressured. He throws it too high for DK. Boom, gets hit. Get off the field. I don't think you needed more creativity there. They had a couple times where, like, the play was decent, but it doesn't work if Nick Bosa is in the backfield. <laughs> so I really I really think it was that simple on some of these. Like, yeah. They didn't need to, like, try to trick or, like, fool them. They just kept running their, you know, their actions, their, their concepts, their play action stuff. They did some fly sweep stuff. They, like, had everything, I thought. Like, everything they needed, just block. You block for Russ, you'll win the game. <laughs> Check. I really think that. I don't think they were missing a lot of creativity. What was the second part of that question? Second part was... How should the Seahawks plan for the Rams' defense? Oh, um... Block Aaron Donald. No, I mean, I mean it's... Dead ass. 
No, I haven't. I haven't watched a ton of the Rams. I watched their. I watched a little bit of the Bears game, and I watched all of the Bucks game. And from what I can see, is be prepared to run the ball. That's the thing. So maybe this. Maybe that's going to be another big Alex Collins day. Chris Carson. You have to be able to run the ball. Like without looking at the box score, I would guess unless Kyler Murray just went bonkers that the Cardinals had a. They ran the ball. That's probably how they won the game. Let me see. While you're going to the next question, I'm going to look. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, Yeah. Pretty good at multitasking. This is from Steven. Is Pete's conservative nature going to lose the Seahawks games this year? Or should we say more games? I thought not going for more points before the half was going to kill us. Also, the three and outs felt very run-run passy. They definitely had run-run pass on like the first one. But then the like, next seven plays were all passes. Uh, I think, yeah, the Cardinals ran the ball for 200 yards. Well, there you go. Check. That's probably, let me see. Oh, yeah, because yeah. James Conner had, what, two touchdowns, and then Edmonds had, like, 120 on the ground. So, yeah. yeah. Chase had 120, Conner had 50, Kyler <laughs> had 39, and then, yeah, Ron, Rondell Moore, and then do they have Colt McCoy? No. Do they really? Hmm. So yeah, I think that's honestly that's how you prepare for the Rams. You, you run the ball. They're playing a lot of too high. Let's just run it at them. <laughs> no, seriously, like it, it really is just that simple. Some, I mean, you can throw teams out of it too, but yeah, it's it's kind of that simple. You're taking next someone question. out of taking someone out of the box, run it. Yeah. Our next question comes from Zombie Sergeant Sean. Is this a bizarro Seahawks season or is this the Jell-O still hardening in terms of offense and defensive schemes? Does Jell-O get hard? Is that is that a thing? Do you eat Jell-O? Man, I haven't had Jell-O in like it's been a minute. I like I like what he's saying. It sounds good. <laughs> no, I, I I definitely get it. Yeah, I think there's some these are these growing pains make sense. These are some pretty predictable growing pains. The offense is going to have its growing pains with Russ and Shane. That makes sense. The defense, this is where that's really bad on Pete and John Snyder. I think everyone who pays a close attention to the Seahawks could have figured that if you aren't going to draft a corner early, you aren't going to pay for one in fridge, you aren't going to pay Shaquille Griffin then you're probably going to have a problem at quarterback or excuse me, a cornerback. And what do you know? It's week four and they're already shuffling the lineup. That's, that's where like, yeah, it's kind of natural growing pains with the chemistry and all that, but come on, man, they they couldn't see this coming. This could have been easily fixed to be honest. Yes. No, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird season, but I do think, like, these growing pains are pretty expected, specifically with the cornerback change. Everyone would have known they were going to change cornerbacks at some point in the first half of the season. Like, I could have told you that. I'm sure we forecasted this in June or July. <laughs> we, we, we talked about this quite a bit, but our next question is from Ross. What's going on with Carson's limited touches? Is this a load management thing? Pete's interpretation of a running back committee? Um, that's a good question. I, I have to check uh, Chris's numbers on that. 
I do. I should point out that Chad Morton, the running backs coach, is actually who controls the running back rotation. So it's not like oh, Pete's like oh, put Alex Collins in, put Christian. I'm, I'm sure he has like some authority. Of course, he's the head coach. But the line, the rotation itself is not by Pete. It's by Chad Morton. So I don't think it's like a conservative um, thing like that. Did somebody ask about conservative the other earlier? Yeah, it was like uh, is Pete's conservative? Yeah, we're done. Um, yep. Is that what it was? Regarding yeah. the run game, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't, I don't think that was the issue today, because they did need the run game. They definitely needed to get that going. Russ, as great as Russ is, you can't just keep dropping back. Like you do need to be able to run the ball, and I thought that was key. This is from the homie, Mister Stephen Collins. Where do you give credit for the abrupt offensive turnaround today? How much of that? can the Seahawks take with them into the future weeks versus being matchup specific? Um, oh, actually, one more thing on um, Chris Carson's touches. Yep. I do think that you do got to ride the hot hand sometimes. Like, clearly, Chris didn't have it today. Like, anyone watching the game, you're probably a fantasy owner, have Chris Carson, you're like, yo, why ain't he getting anywhere? If Alex is running it better, just play him. Like, I think that was a good call by Chad and um, and Pete. Sorry. All right, now run me that, run me that other one again. You're good. Where do you give credit for the abrupt offensive turnaround today? How much of that can the Seahawks take with them into future weeks versus being matchup specific? Um, I think it's a little matchup specific for sure. Just because the Niners pass rush really is just kind of Nick Bosa and some dudes. Whereas I think the Rams is a little better. And if you can't pass protect against the Rams, you're going to lose more likely than not so that's the that's the only thing i think that without re-watching the game schematically i'm thinking like hey block the rams and you will win because russ is gonna make the right decisions like that pick six in this in the playoffs notwithstanding he's gonna make the right calls right so how do i want to word this uh what's the best way to say yeah, just block for us. That's the best. That's the best way I can put it. Like I think that's the main schematic thing. Keep Aaron Donald away from Russ, and you'll win. This one's from AJ. How would this win feel or change your views on the season going forward if they had if they held on and beat the Titans in overtime? I can't play that what if because like Pete was saying, well not Pete didn't say this explicitly, but he kind of implied it. Like sometimes you need to get knocked down. Like, you just need that. Maybe you need that reset sometimes. Maybe they needed the Buffalo game last year. Maybe they needed the Rams loss in week 10 last year. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, like, almost every boxing movie. It's like, he's not going to win every fight in the movie. That would be dumb. You know, he needs he got to get beat up a little bit, like, because then that creates the arc. You know, then his character realizes, I need to change this. I need to do that or whatever. Right, like that's what the Seahawks needed, I think. So it's not as simple as, oh, if they had just beat the Titans. That would have been nice if they would have. Like, I think if they do beat the Titans and then have that same performance against the Vikings, then perhaps we can play that kind of look-back game. But for the most part, I think they needed, for whatever reason, to experience, oh, dang, this is embarrassing. I mean, what if they don't win that? Uh, does, does Sidney Jones get to play? If things go different, like you gotta ask yourself those questions too. So I don't know if we can just do that um, straight up. I'm under the impression that's why I opened a show with it. They needed what happened 
in weeks two and three to influence what's what they want to happen in weeks four and five. That's kind of where I'm at. Our next question is from Jim. Do we need Geno Atkins? It feels like our run defense is not good and needs a little more pressure inside. Uh, I don't know about need Geno. I really don't think that the inside pressure is a problem. I have to go watch some of the runs. My at first glance, I think like the edge is the problem. More than anything, I think guys are getting outside a lot. Like you look at some of those Derrick Henry runs. Like where, where was the big Derrick Henry run? Outside. Where was his other uh, touchdown run that Derrick Henry had? I think that was the cutback cut back out to yeah. yeah. Dalvin Cook or not Dalvin? Uh, Madison had a bunch of cutbacks. So I think like they miss KJ Wright, guys. Let's, can we just can we put it that way? They miss KJ Wright. Like I think the guys they have on the edge right now in the run defense are fine, but and also I think Shaquille Griffin was really good against the run too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, like, yeah, just not having those guys on the outside, I think, is a bit more of a problem. Because, I mean, Geno Atkins, at this point, is going to be a rotational interior lineman. And I think we learned with Snacks Harrison last year, those guys just don't get a lot of reps as long as everyone else is healthy. Our next question comes from Lane. What do you guys think Philip Dorsett's role will look like? I'm excited at the idea of him on the field with Lockett and Metcalf. I'm sure Pete Carroll is, too. He gonna get he gonna get him some Philip Dorsett on that team, man. Pete ain't giving up that. Uh, I also don't think there's much of a role for him though. I think he maybe could do like the Penny Hart role, where you're like a third string outside receiver. But for the most part, if your name is not Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, and you're a receiver, the plays probably ain't gonna be drawn up for you at least not what well, not until ds gets back even freddie freddie keeps scoring on like broken plays <laughs> freddie's like the king of the like the broken play you know i don't know if the the one he caught today was broken necessarily but it was, it was a sack mike it's it's done yeah so <laughs> it's supposed to be a sack it's broken <laughs> yeah so I, it's okay you can be you can admit to that <laughs> that's that's how i would answer that like i think phillip's a good player very fast very nice dude. We had him on the podcast. Shout out to him for doing that. Don't see a role, though. I don't. This one comes from Ayang underscore 10. He has two. Do you think the defense played up to their potential today, or was it more bad Niners quarterback play? And is Nick Ballore an all-pro special teamer? Love the coverage. Best in the league. Uh, that's a good question, too. I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think they they played well, they played sound, and when you do that, you can make a capable quarterback look like trash, like Jimmy G look today. Though I don't think the Niners quarterback situation is great right now, and I do think this is the problem with just having this kind of dual, uh, not dual, but like Trey comes in for a little bit, but Jimmy runs the show, but it's Trey's team, but it's Jimmy's team. Oh, but we're going to take you out on the goal line, which is like the most important parts of it. Yeah, I think that's... (laughs) But that's not good. But they also played well, though. It is. It yeah. is. A, it is a little bit of both. What was the second half of that? Scroll back up. Second half. Nick Ballore. Oh, all pro special teamer. I'm not sure, but he's gonna be an all pro headhunter. <laughs> he knocked, who did he knock? I said that was IU. Yeah, destroyed he, him on that punt return. Oh, clean. Yeah, Cold, clean. Oh hit. man, both those guys are in the ice bath right now because of that play. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, shout out to Nick Ballore, man. Funniest guy on the team, and he hits hard. <laughs> what a combo. No, no, I don't think he'll play. 
any offense, by the way. Next question comes from Jeffrey. Which team is the Seahawks closer to? An undefeated 4-0 or an undefeated 0-4 team? Um, probably 4-0. They're not getting blown out. They lost by 13, won by 12, 7. Yeah, that's not... Because they got a positive po- uh, point differential right now, right? I think so. Yeah. So, nah, I'm, I think they're clo- They're not really close to either one, to be clear to whoever asked the question. But... Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey. They're probably closer to 4-0. That's an interesting question. That'd be one to, like, look at later in the year when they're, like, 5-5 five and five or 6-6 six and six or so, if they are at that. Like, what are they closer to? But right now, I think they're closer to the 4-0 side, but not particularly close to either one. Our next question comes from Christian. Russ still holds onto the ball a little longer than he should. What do you feel he needs to prove, improve on to avoid sacks? And also, what are your top three sneakers in both your collection? Keep killing it. Um. Well, yeah, get rid of the ball. I mean, that's that's the main one. He, but Russ likes to take those deep shots, and Neighbor. I think it's a it's a tough balance. I mean, Pete Carroll would probably point to you to this game and look like, look, if I tell Russ to just kind of let some plays die, then we don't get the touchdown to Freddie Swain today. But also, we probably don't have some of those big sacks where it's like now it's second and nineteen. After it's it's a, it's, a, it's a balance, and Russ has talked about it. Pete's talked about it. I think you're safer just being like, look, Russ be you, and we'll work around that. And that's kind of what they're doing. Should he get rid of the ball sooner? Of course. When he holds on to it and makes those magic plays, can you blame him? You know, and if the guy's in year 10 and he keeps making the Pro Bowl, I think we should just give him the benefit of the doubt. And your top three sneakers? Let's see yours. Let's see yours. I don't know. I don't have a top, top three. Numero uno. What we got there? Because we got to describe. Just give us the name for the people who are not on the YouTube. This is the CV2 Culture Vulture 2 by Saya. Okay. The mid. I just love the comfort style. You don't see too many sneakers looking like this. And it's created by a brother that looks like Mike and I. So shout out to him. Yeah. So this is one of them. All right. What else? What else? What's your other one? The other one is the. Culture Vulture Low. And I like the style and design. The crazy colors would what, what, what got me, to be honest. All right. Another I can't make it up. Too. Yeah, same guy. Real comfortable. And like I said, it's just crazy. Look at that. Where are you going to get colors like this? And then my last one is my winter shoe. The Tahoe's. Nice little boot. Wear it with some jeans or some sweats. I've worn them a couple of times. They're just so comfortable. And they're crazy. Like, you don't see nothing like this. And it's made by the same dude. It's called the Tahoe's. Tahoe boots. So these are the top three. And I got like 20 pairs of his shoes because they're all pretty dope. I saw the outfit. I didn't see the shoes, but he had shorts on with a, with a, uh, with, was he wearing a trench or something? A jacket? No, he was wearing like a blazer. Okay, it was a blazer. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure it out. I I mean, the camera zoomed in like, but I couldn't really tell, but it, it looked crazy. I thought he was rocking something like Blade, you know? He just needed, like, the... He he was looking fly. I'm not going to... No cap. He had the shirt, no shirt underneath. Yeah, had the chest had showing. Yeah, he was pointing to you, so shout out to Jamal. He, yeah, <laughs> no, that's not how I would... <laughs> that's an interesting shoot. Hang I, on, I, you, I, have a, you have a photo shoot on Instagram with your lady, and you got that out. So what are you talking about, man? You rocking the whole rest of the outfit. 
Oh, okay. I, I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a top three. I'm a big guy. I'm a big Elevens, Jordan Elevens guy though. Concords, Space Jams, Breads, Cool Grays. If you if Jordan makes some Elevens that are high top, I'm probably gonna buy them. Easy. Like that's 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 my top. This one's from Robin. Will there be more up tempo offense with Russ calling plays? I mean, in theory, yeah. If Russ calls the plays, they're gonna be moving like a Chip Kelly organ team. You know, uh, uh, if Russ gets to call the shots, he yeah. doesn't though, so it won't be. <laughs> I will say this: this was another reminder that tempo doesn't always create the big plays as much as the big plays help you get into tempo. Like they couldn't really do anything with tempo until they got the big play to Alex Collins. And then it went from there. It's not like, oh, now we're going tempo, so we get the big play to Alex Collins. I don't think it works. It works that way. So, I mean, I'm trying not to buy the tempo hype. Uh, people people who, who follow my work probably realize that's what I'm doing. I'm not like, oh, they got tempo now, so it's fixed. As if Daryl Bevel or Shoddy never thought, hmm, maybe some <laughs> tempo will work. No, of course they did. Yeah. So, I don't want to just say that's the the thing that's saving them. Just remember, you need the big plays to get the tempo going. You can't just come out first first play. All right, tempo now. What if you take a sack? You know, what if you don't incomplete, tempo is killed. So I think we I can't stress that enough. You gotta get those big plays first, not the other way around. This one is from Sonny, and his question is: What can the Seahawks get? if they trade for Trey Flowers. Okay. I don't, this is another hot take, I guess. I don't think they should trade Trey. I think he is a valuable depth piece that if something happens to a starter, you can be like, hey, 21, can you go in here in a pinch? Oh yeah, you can? All right. I'll keep that for like two mil. Well, I mean, look at look at around, man. The, the freaking league is losing corners left and right. Jair Alexander got carted off. The Bucks are having some cornerback issues. And I mean the Seahawks are having cornerback issues. Cornerback issues are not. I mean, the Panthers just lost um, what's his name? JC Horn. Like uh, that is a uh, that's tough. So I, I I would I would just keep track. Just in case. Why is Carlos Dunlap in coverage? And this is from Eric. Uh, a lot of schemes have their edge guys dropping into coverage. I think that's just, that's like actually pretty normal. I mean, especially if you blitz, you can't always just have six, seven guys. Sometimes you just want to simulate pressure. So you like, you send four, but it's a different four than normal. Instead of like all four linemen, maybe two linemen drop out and then two linebackers come in or a DB and a linebacker. I mean, everybody has coverages where their defensive linemen drop. That's kind of normal defense i watched the rams bucks game last week man they had i think the bucks put vita vea like in coverage like if vita vea can cover then carlos can <laughs> yeah carlos daryl alton machine that's why yeah dropping a nose tackle is quite the assignment but yeah, hey yeah yeah that's tough this is from insert for flight what were the key defensive adjustment made this week that turned the seahawks around uh, like we said, do your one eleventh. That 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 was one. Um, that stood out. <laughs> putting somebody else out there other than Trey. Getting a pass rush. That was huge. Pass rush held up really well today. 
Hmm. Oh, and then Ryan Neal. Yeah, we talked about Ryan Neal. Yep. Yeah, shout out to him. That 6DB package was, was key. And then our last question is from Michael Westgard. Everybody happy now, right? No. Seahawks fans are never happy. Never, <laughs> never content. There's always wanting more. I learned that when they went on these win streaks and it was like, uh, when are they going to play a complete game? It's like, God, they're winning. They are winning. Like, look at right now. This game wasn't the greatest offensively. They scored 28 and 1. And they're 500. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Chance yeah. to go 3 and 2. Much needed. Much, Much needed. needed. Yes. Well, you did mention somewhat of a hot take, but now I'm going to bring it back and ask for a real hot take. Mike, what you got, man? Um, I don't know if I have a hot take. No, no, no. You don't get to escape with, I don't know if I have a hot take. You always have a hot take. I think I like kind of where I went with the hot take earlier, like abolishing quarterback wins. I just don't think that's a stat. I just think okay. the quarterback is not the only guy out there to help win. Now, he does matter a lot. Like, I get it. But I don't think he should get. He should be the only one that gets like, oh, he got a win. Okay, well, I'm a, I'm a, instead, I'm going to get your two early prediction. Who wins Thursday? Seahawks or Rams? That's tough. I want to. I think I'm going to start early and say Rams. Fair enough. Early I, in the week? I think so, yeah. Don't hold it to my guys. It's it's Monday. No, I'm, not, I'm not. A, I mean, I, I reserve the right. I mean, it's our show. I can change my. We can edit that part out. <laughs> If we hey, want. Chris, just edit it. I probably just bleep it. It's like <laughs> yeah, they just don't have my answer, but yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I, I reserve the right to change that opinion, but right now it's like you will by Wednesday night. night for sure, most likely. I probably will, yes. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man, I want to thank you guys for asking A, all your Twitter questions, and B, for checking out the program. We appreciate all the love and support on the road to a thousand. I think we're like 260 away. So we are 250. We're moving pretty quickly. So I think that subscribers on YouTube. YouTube, Yes. I oh, think, yeah. I think by the bio week, we should be at a thousand, which allows us to continue to add a little bit more content. Cause Mike and I had some ideas that we want to pitch to you, but YouTube was like site. Got to have a thousand followers before you can do that. And I was like, Oh, cool. So we're on the road to it. So thank you all for that. Mike, anything you want to add before we shake? just appreciate all the love i appreciate running into people out in public like we rock with the podcast um we really do it for you guys i mean me and chris could just talk football by ourselves all the time we don't have to share it with y'all but we like sharing the pod with you guys and doing this every week at least twice a week just because um we just know it resonates with you guys even if you're just listening to it when you're walking your dog or you're working out or driving to work or whatever even if you don't get to the whole show every time we just know that you guys rock with us. We appreciate that. Really do. I'm speaking for both of us, Chris, so hopefully that's okay with you. That, that's love. I ain't tripping. Yeah, all right, all right. It's cool. late. Yeah. I'm going to edit this and go to bed. What time is it out? Oh, I'm about to say what time is it out there. You, man. You're not on East Coast time. You're back, in, you're back on the West Side, man. You good? Oh, it's not that bad. 11? You, didn't you say you was about to go to sleep? Uh, They didn't need to know that. Oh, look at you. Look at that. Nah, yeah, you see yeah. how you did me, guys? Yeah, I got I got I mean, I gotta catch a flight in the morning. No, you don't I can't go flight, man. I gotta wake up. You're right. You're airport. right. No yeah, flight. Man. What time's your flight? I don't know. I don't remember. I gotta <laughs> check it later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. Are we gonna talk with Jordan since the Seahawks won now? We don't have to uh That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna text Jordan before I go to sleep. I'm gonna text Jordan before I go to sleep. So yes, you guys will be getting a recap. Not a recap, be getting a preview with the 
The one and only Jordan. I gotta, Rob I gotta, we gotta time it up for Jordan. She's we'll figure busy. it out. She's gonna be busy figuring out what the hell is wrong with the Rams. You're gonna be busy figuring out what the Seahawks can do to beat the Rams. Yes, I am. So we'll, we'll time it up. That's yeah. No guarantees yet. Let me text Jordan, and then we'll know. Let's we'll see, see what happens. Yeah. Other than that, we'll catch you guys later. We out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.